Breakfast puppies? This podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. I say, you're listening to The Glitter Boys. Well, we're finally getting to a discussion about a book that we have referenced in conversation multiple times in our previous episodes. This book would be the Rift's source book, the uh, the first published expansion to the original Rift's role-playing game. It was the first one, wasn't it? Like this, this came before the conversion book. This came before... Vampire Kingdoms? It did. This was, uh, I believe its first printing was in 1991. So yeah, it might have come before Vampire Kingdom. You know, I don't remember. Was Vampire Kingdoms 91 or 90? I think it, they actually say something about it in the uh, in the intro by uh, by Kevin. Oh, yeah. So this is before Vampire Kingdoms. It does it right there. <laughs> it's been a while since I read that first page. <laughs> well, so... Before we go too deep into this, let's clarify this particular discussion we're having for this episode is about Rift's source book, the original, which was a companion to the Butts edition. We also have Rift's source book one revised, which came out as a companion to the Ultimate Edition. We'll get to that later. Yeah. For now, we're looking at the original. This is where Archie comes in. This is where you are introduced to a whole lot more creatures. And stuff. There, there's so much here that can expand your game if you're if you're going to focus in North America at least. That it's definitely a book that you want to get. So let's dive into it and talk about why it's awesome. Yeah. So this came out right after uh, Butts Edition, and apparently, right after Butts Edition, there were questions, like significant <laughs> questions, because. The first few pages are just people answering questions. <laughs> and this is actually pretty common to a lot of the earlier Palladium games. I yeah. at least remember it with Palladium Fantasy as well, because when Palladium Fantasy, the first edition was published, you know, I devoured that book. And then when the the world books started coming out, like Old Ones and Adventures on the High Seas, both of those books opened with pages of answered questions and errata. Like this is back before the internet was really a thing that was used to disseminate this kind of stuff. So it's, it was very common for books that came out following the main book to fix or expand upon even just basic one-off questions. Right after the one-off question series, it just goes into just a brief overlay of how you will find the area you're in now, uh, Canada and North, Northern America what the forests look like in great detail. <laughs> it's not quite Tolkienian detail, but it's close. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised there is no average rainfall and temperature range in this list because it's, it's a, a rather exhaustive dry read, but it's, it's necessary when, when you're painting a picture, you need, you need to know what's, what's up. It really does give you a deeper demographic and geographic look into Rift's Earth, or Rift's North America. It breaks down the coalition by regions, talks about its population, you know, gives you an idea of, of what civilization actually looks like, more so than was really defined in the first book. They, he does some interesting things here. He talks about the, the roots of civilization and how in order to be a town or, you know, a community, 
It's more than people just living close together. There, there has to be a leader. There has to be an industry that more than one family take place in. I, I thought that was an interesting distinction to make in a role-playing game, that a town is more than a, a collection of people. A town is an identity. And that's a pretty heady thing to, to bring into an RPG, where a town is generally just a place to sell your stuff to mooks. Yeah, this gives you a town as more of a, a place to found your adventures or places to defend or befriend. I like it. Yeah. An interesting thing they did was define it. And it was, uh, and this was probably just interesting to me because I'm freaking weird. Uh, a town by definition must engage in industry, even primitive industry like barrel making, carpentry, tailoring, etc. Services like town led services like mail delivery, uh, trade, administration, some sort of governing body, uh, R&D. Without these six conditions, a gathering of people and buildings is not a town. And I really, really like that because you have like, you have a post-apocalyptic world and let's say it's, you know, people begin to engage with one another again. They begin to find each other, but it's basically a refugee camp. That's not a town. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, no, there's no sense of shared identity. And I think it's an important distinction that only this out of all the host of post-apocalyptic games out there has ever made. And I really appreciated that. One paragraph that I do really like is at the very end of the section where it's talking about towns. It This is a wonderful paragraph. It is a, an example of the kind of world building that I really like about Palladium stuff. The paragraph reads the following. The common problem with poorly planned towns or communities that grew too quickly is sanitation. <laughs> Some of these places can be smelled miles away. Poor sanitation often leads to disease and infestation by rodents and insects. Streets are frequently too narrow or poorly constructed or just mud and dirt. Many of the poorer districts are overcrowded. I love this. First off, it gives you this mental picture of how bad a lot of these places are going to smell. But I like that it addresses the concept of the poorly planned town. Because if you look at a lot of other games, you look at a lot of maps. A lot oh, yeah. of maps look like they were drawn by by perfect city planners. Like mm -hmm. all of these towns and things and all of these fantasy worlds look like they were designed that way instead of grew organically the way civilization normally does. And I like the fact that it even right here talks about the existence of poorly planned towns, which so many other fantasy and sci-fi settings just ignore. Yeah. Like uh, how many town maps have you looked at, would you say, in the, in the course of, of your GMing life? Thousands, thousands, if not right? hundreds of thousands. How many of them have the water supply? Most of them. Nah, I, I, I disagree. Like a lot of them just, they, they don't. Unless it's, it's pivotal to the, to the adventure to have the sewers or the aqueduct. I'm having a hard time thinking of anyone that I've seen that doesn't. Usually uh, mappers love, love to have a river running right through the town. And usually they like the river to branch off. So like the town is built around the intersection of two things. Now, it's not built logically around a said intersection of things. Or, or let me rephrase that. It's built too logically around the intersection of things. As if like the original founders of the town had a 300 year plan for its growth. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and nothing strayed from this. So it goes on for towns and towns and towns. It talks about the, the common animals you will find. 
Uh, the fact that tigers are now in America, that fucking sucks. That's technically a DB and possibly a mega damage creature. Tigers are fucking <laughs> aliens and they're dangerous. I like that it references the Monsters and Animals book from the Palladium fantasy series. Uh, how yeah. you can bring in the stuff from other games right there. We haven't even got to the conversion book yet. Then we go straight to the coalition. <sighs> you know, here's the thing. We've talked a lot about the coalition. We have an episode about the coalition. Good, evil, future Nazis, whatever. This is a good read. I think I don't really want to spend that much time going into what we've already talked about a lot. But if you want insight into more of what makes the coalition tick and who runs it, including the stats of its leaders, it's a good section. Yeah, I mean, you get to page 23 and you're looking at uh, General Ross Underhill and you're like, oh, right, future Nazi. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, he, he he looks like one of the bad guys from Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I like the the military organizations, too, like the uh, the typical co- coalition squadrons oh, for yeah, different yeah. purposes. There's a lot of that. And then it gets into some other stuff, but you have pages and pages of squadrons first. It talks, this is when this came out, I believe the, the quote unquote present day has moved forward since this. I think it's moved forward a year. If I remember correctly, yeah. the original book was one Oh one PA and this says it's one Oh two. Now yeah. I believe as of uh, ultimate edition, it's one Oh nine. Yeah. So this is going to give you the the G1 Skelebots, and they're still very new and controversial. Oh, yeah. I think they were released in 101. Yeah. That said, cool as fuck, best stormtroopers ever. The big-headed bot, just weird. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love, love, love that Skelebot picture on page 32. Yeah. Oh, that's some good stuff. Mm. That's sexy. Then we get into Triax. Triax is cool. Matthew likes Triax. Matthew likes the design of of Triax stuff, especially which one is it? The uh, the the big bot, the Ultimax. The, the Ultimax. That yeah. is a cool looking freaking <laughs> robot. Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh right, I forgot. Oh uh, yeah, we had a sentient. Well, we had an AI that was locked inside of an Ultimax that was uh, one of their hinge people. NPC friends at their base in our last game. He liked to tell cat fat jokes. Cat fact yeah. jokes. <laughs> yeah, it would begin and end every conversation in that way. <laughs> did you have a random cat fact list up I did. when you were nice? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a you lot know, of good stuff here from the Triax things. Now, Triax was mentioned in the first book, and they actually get their own world book a few years after this, I think. It's uh, the one with uh, Northern Gun, right? Uh, well, no, the New it's German Triax Republic. Northern Gun. Oh, so Triax right. and the NGR. So it's the New German Republic, a state which in some ways may even be considered to be more fascist than the coalition, depending upon your viewpoints in your checklist. Yeah. Well... I'm, I'm not touching that one in case we have any German viewers. <laughs> yeah. Well, then on page 46, we have one image which has been traced over and redone, I think, possibly so many more times. than any other image in the entire Palladium catalog. This, there, there are memes about this image. <laughs> The, the robots. <laughs> there are references to this image in Savage Worlds that are joking. Like it's this the robot punching the other robot is just it's it's a meme. 
It's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say it's it's done more than the bug-eyed guy with the grenade? Because that's what I would... That, that would be my go-to for the most used Palladium image. That's a pretty common one. Yeah. And I think B-Guy has been frequently reused, but like reskinned in a different outfit. Mm. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. Yeah. This, this happens. It happens a lot with Palladium. All right, now we have the penis robots. And <laughs> yeah, Northern Gun is fucking weird, man. <laughs> uh, their robots have peni. I don't understand yeah. why. <laughs> we have gun head, gun cock. Yep. Gun yep. cock and uh beehive hairdos and just yeah, just just strange stuff. Yeah. Just I mean having a gun between your legs to me doesn't make any sense. No, I, I guess no. the robot is limited in mobility so that it can never cross or overstep its line of fire. But eh. I suppose like maybe it's so no one can get under you because this is a tall robot, 30 some odd feet in the air. Right. Let's see what we're looking su- at here. I, I suppose that makes sense to cover the only field of fire that's not covered by everything else. Shall we say higher up? Yeah, these are some pretty big robots. We got one at 32 feet and one at 26 feet. So, yeah, I guess so. They don't want anybody running up underneath and shoving a grenade up the butthole. Yeah. Abel. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there's some new weapons by everybody, uh, some new armors, some new gear. And then we start talking about GM stuff. Yeah. Now, let's take a moment, though. These weapons and armor, this is a Mm -hmm. really nice expansion to the stuff that's in the core book. The original book gave you a decent supply of armor and and weapons and, you know, some robots and vehicles. This expands it even further in ways that that I'm really fond of. Having additional robots as options for your robot pilot characters, because the first book was fairly limited on that. So... If you're a tech person, if if you want cool guns and all you've got is the first book, go ahead and get this source book. It's it's going to serve you well. Oh, and it has the rules that uh, I frequently had to reference uh, the MDC body armor repair rules. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. Yeah. Well, I can't imagine why you'd, why you'd have to do that a lot. But yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the guns in... Uh, riffs have always been kind of Taco Bell to me. It's what what form do you want your meat, cheese, and tortilla formed in? You know, it's it's they're all <laughs> they're all really close to to each other. You know, uh, a burst of a big burst which will significantly drain you will do six d six. A little burst will do one d six. It's they're all kind of the same. The ranges are all kind of the same. It's 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 basically like. When you spend a lot of time on a video game and you've earned that new skin for your weapon and it looks really cool, but it's exactly the same. It absolutely changes nothing. Yeah, the, the variety is mostly skin deep, but, yeah. you know, when you're a teenager and you're playing rifts, <laughs> yeah. no, it's, it's, it's all fair. about style. <laughs> yeah, And, you know, you get tired of using the Sega light gun. <laughs> I really like the portable handheld computer. Mm-hmm. I, I like the uh, the fact that it apparently gives you a receipt, <laughs> and that I think there's a trackball on it. Which trackballs were a big deal then. Yeah, so much better than mice. 
I mean, I use the trackball. <laughs> I've got to. It's for ergonomic reasons. Yep. I'm old. I'm old and I've used the computer all my life and now my parts hurt. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Okay. Game master section. As if the beginning part wasn't game master information with the stats of Carl fucking Prosac. Yeah. Anyway, here we are in the actual game master section. Uh, <laughs> and this is some good stuff. This introduces Archie. We talked about Archie a few episodes ago. This talks about his history. This is Archie's original history, right? Now, the history got slightly modified. There was a little bit of a retcon later. Yeah. Mainly, I think, to sell more copies of Chaos Earth, but we'll get into that later. Which is a complete role-playing game. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Still bitter, are we? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So... If if you're thinking HAL with uh, HAL 9000 tied to a factory, you're not far off from Archie. The The tone is very much the same. During uh, the, just before the coming of the Rifts uh, in, the, in the golden age of mankind, Archie was an experiment, an experiment made to run a advanced military base. And as often happens, these experiments go wrong due to time, conflicting demands, conflicting orders, or just bad programming. All these things have been blamed and put upon Archie. Archie is... We, we've we've had the Archie episode, haven't we, where we, we talked about him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, we... Yeah. Yeah, we talked about what makes Archie awesome. Yeah. This is a very sympathetic Archie. That changes later, but... At the beginning, you you can understand Archie's motivations in the first couple of pages. They get a bit more esoteric and a bit more super villainy after that. But there's there's a great deal of talk about loneliness and eons and thought and things like that as as the rifts isolated Archie. Yeah. Now, this is from the era when Archie was primarily created by Cyberworks. Uh, Cyberworks is still present in the later version, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But Cyberworks definitely plays a lot heavier into the mythology than this. Yeah, It's almost completely just sort of brushed under the table later when they replace it with Nima uh, for the Chaos Earth. But hey, you know what? You've got the Butts edition. Maybe you also picked up Vampire Kingdoms and you've grabbed the source book. The source book doesn't really follow the exact same formula that I talked about earlier where, you know, a world book gives you a new place, things in that place to fight, some grand Ah, evils and stuff to buy in that, you know, new stuff, new monsters, a new place to explore. This takes the place that you're already given in the first book and expands it. And I like that it adds another major menace to North America because in the first book, you just got the coalition and they mention yeah. other things, and yeah, there's, you know, ooh, we got some demons, and we got the Zidikics and whatnot, but really, you're fighting the coalition. They're, they're, they're yeah. put there as the bad guys. Well, now we have another one. A lot of this was hard for me because it, uh, it, it switched from lore to stat, lore to stat, lore to stat, and it, it made for a little bit of broken reading, but it goes really into a, a really well laid out Archie adventure. 
uh, called The Face of Evil. This is a good one. This, yeah. Anybody who was playing Rifts at that time heavily, you probably run or played in this adventure. This is the one where you go fight the giant brain. <laughs> yeah. It has the uh, robot rhino buffalo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bad news bears. Uh, the freak show. It has his first ideas boy. Ideas guy. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. James T. Yeah. There is. This is not an adventure to solve. It, it's, it's specifically set up that way. It's an adventure to experience. You, you, th- there is no winning here. Uh, unless, you know, your party walks away with all of the members who walked in. That's definitely a win in this. But you're not, you're not going to solve the evil. Read on to see why. Yeah, it's definitely one that you as a game master are going to need to read it from beginning to end before you run it. I, did, um, I recommend yeah. a couple of times. A lot of Palladium adventures are that way. You really want to read the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, then it drops into uh, the NPCs you'll be dealing with and the villains. Um, there's the uh, the false Archie, the the the, the brain. Mm-hmm. There's the real Archie. Then there's all of his creations, his robots, yeah. his his small ones, the big ones, the dog ones, the spider ones, and then we have his robot warrior women, the Shamarians, which mm-hmm. there's only very little space given to them here. It's almost the Shamarian thing almost kind of seems like an afterthought. I've never really myself felt like bringing them into a game. They don't really feel like they made any sense to me, but no, maybe that'll change if I ever read the Shamarian nation book, but yes, insect robots, more and more robots. And then finally rules for building robots. Hey, you want to play a robot? This is the book you need. You yeah. rules for creating an artificial intelligence. Uh, very With similar the, to the Heroes Unlimited ones. Yeah, it's it's a point-by system, I yep. believe. Yeah, so that's a, another RCC. You get to choose your intelligences. You get to choose your skill programs, both combat and non-combat. You get to put your body together, the types. You know, are you a quadruped? Are you a biped? Are you half tank? Are you are you a vehicle? Yeah, there's there's all kinds of interesting things. There's also apparently a Zentradi battle pod there again for some reason. <laughs> That's been used a lot too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, the Robotech art gets reskinned a lot. Well, then on page 106, finally, finally, we get the stats for the monster on the cover of the Butts edition. The Splugorth. Yes. This would be the minion, the minion of Splugorth Slaver. Now, look at that horror factor. Horror factor of 16. Very, yeah. You got to save versus being afraid of <laughs> versus a 16, or you might just crap your pants the first time you meet this guy and his many floating eyes and all of his sexy butt women. <laughs> and then we get the blind warrior women, women and, and the stuff and, and more and more. Uh, more NPCs, more creatures, yeah. more monsters. The Simvin. The Broad Kill. Yeah. The Black Fairy. A lot of these got a treatment later, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. The Witchling, the Thornhead. There's a lot of demons. And then you get what I wish every book did ever, forever photocopyable character sheet in the back. Mm hmm. I don't remember if the first book had it, but this one definitely does. Yeah. It's not bad. It's, it's very, very minimal. There's a fellow on the. Palladium Reddit, the Rifts Reddit specifically, that is going through and making a, an updated character sheet, and it's a work of beauty. Nice. Yeah. So this is 
like we said at the beginning, it's it's very North America specific. But if I had to buy a book after Riffs, I would say it, it would be a toss-up between this and The Vampires. Because this, I mean, it just, it, it really fleshes out the world quite a bit. It's got a lot of maps. It gives you a lot of, this is not, this is not so much for the player, though, unless you're, you're intending to play a robot. Uh, this is this is very much for a GM is is what I, I got the feeling of for this whole book. Having the additional weapon and robot stats are good. So yeah, you know if you want some new body armor or some of that sweet new triax power armor, uh, yeah, yeah, it could be useful. But definitely more of a game master uh, reference manual. Yeah, that said, it is one you should probably get at least one version of because. It's it's incredibly useful, and it, it deals with some of the the main ones. It deals with Archie. There's a lot on the Coalition. There's there's the the beginnings of the Splugorth. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff here. Yeah, it's it's really good for fleshing out all of the stuff that really really should have been put into the main book. Like this feels like stuff that got cut from the main book. They actually made. Uh, a bit of it that they, they did cut a lot of this yeah. from the main book just because the main book was already running pretty big. So I don't know, man, I've, I've got game books like twice that book size. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they could have fit this, more in there. And this doesn't even have any constipating leaping art. So I don't know, man. <laughs> well, anyway, that's, that's Rift's source book uh, released in 1991. I believe it was the first published expansion to the original butts edition. It's a quality book. I mean, oh, there's a lot of people online who prefer the Butts Edition rules to the Ultimate Edition. And I don't blame you. There are differences in it. And in many ways, it's a simpler, more... It's a bit more approachable. Yeah, approachable. I, I, I think uh, it's a bit more whole. It's got more of a, a complete feeling. Like, mm. like this was the game that... The, this was the way it was meant to be played, you know? I like the expansion. Uh, I, I like the updates that are put out in the Ultimate Edition. I like the simplification of a lot of the rule systems and how uh, there's a lot less page referencing. Remember, page 361, start there, and you're good. But, but, buts edition, I think, is, it it still holds this place of, of perfection in my brain. And the Sourcebook one is a great companion to that. It, it, it even feels like it. Like, the art still feels like the original. It's... It really just should have been in there. <laughs> yeah, it's not that big a book. What is it? Uh, what, 160, 160 pages, something like that? Uh, the one I have in my hands 120. is 120 pages. Yeah, it could have been crammed in. Yeah, it could have been. But, yeah, I get it. You know, Palladium wasn't huge then. It, they really weren't. Yeah. They had a, a few things before Rifts, but not much. Yeah, and then once Rifts came out and they started making the money off of that, it was like, all right, we are the Rifts company. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I find very fascinating because when I get into a role playing game this this day and age, when I'm like, you know, I want to start running a campaign of whatever game 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 system X, I look online for play references. I look online. for for write-ups that people have had of their own campaigns. But I also look for podcasts about said game. Mm. Rifts seems to be, okay, original Rifts, mind you, not Savage Rifts, 
Savage Rift, there's a lot of it out there. Original Rift seems to be the one Palladium property that has the least amount of fandom in uh, podcast land. Like, I couldn't find any actual Play Rifts campaigns. Not really? one. And all of these podcasts are talking about other Rift, other Palladium properties. And, you know, we're going to talk about them too, but they seem to be going out of their way to avoid talking about Rifts. Maybe there's this mentality that, oh, well, there's so much about Rifts, then we'll just do the other stuff. I don't know. I could be working their way up to it. It just feels like there's a lot of very wide sidestepping around this massive elephant <laughs> in the room that nobody wants to acknowledge is there. So, Well, eh, maybe we'll step into it one of these days. <laughs> Give that a shot. Oh, the grenade guy isn't here. I, he's, he's everywhere. He's on page nine. Oh, 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 is he? Is he? Yep. <laughs> yes. Bug-eyed man with a grenade. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he really, he, I think he and B-Guy are like buddy cops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have their own spinoff show. <laughs> you know, we could make like a very special uh, Doom Patrol or Mystery Men style collection of uh, of shitty heroes based on some of these recurring characters. Like, okay, we could have Bot Puncher. All he does Ooh, is punch yeah. robots. He can't punch people, <laughs> but he can punch robots. In we, the head. We've got B Guy. <laughs> we've got Grenade Guy. <laughs> All right, folks. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. We will probably touch on the, the other one soon. All right. Yeah, thanks for listening, folks. <laughs> You've been listening to The Glitter Boys, a Palladium Books fan podcast. Glitter Boys, Rifts, the Megaverse, and all other such topics are the property of Kevin Sambita and Palladium Books. Please buy all their stuff and help keep them in print and making more games. You can order directly at palladiumbooks.com and their entire catalog is available digitally at DriveThruRPG as well. Our opening music is 8-Bit Bass and Lead by Furby Guy from freesound.org. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org. All sound effects used are self-made or acquired via Creative Commons Zero License. If you like what you have heard, find us on Twitter and Facebook as The Glitter Boys. That's B-O-I-S. And check us out online at breakfastpuppies.com slash glitterboys. And also join us on the Breakfast Puppies Network Discord at breakfastpuppies.com slash discord. And if you want to help us out, please spread the word and help us build a community. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.